Hi folks, welcome to another video from aplaintruth.info. Today I want to delve into more about the coming eclipse where everybody in the, is talking about it, they've been pumping up the volume, and how astro, how theology, astro-theology relates to what's going on here and why an astrology chart is a flat earth chart. And we just simply have to look at the solar return. A solar return is a chart that's calculated from when the sun comes back to your natal position each and every year. Let's repeat that again. The sun returns. The sun is moving. This is all based on astrology, okay? Um, and then if we take a look here um, at the chart that um, Mr. Bonacci is going to use, I just want to do a quick explanation here. So this is a, a, a day chart. This is transits when they're moving, the luminaries. And they're called luminaries because they're energy beings, okay? They are not something a rover landing can land on. They're giving us energy. They're, they're electromagnetic frequencies of energy beings. And here you see these are called conjunctions. And this is a stella. They're all lined up. You see how they're all lined up? This is 28 degrees, 28 degrees Leo. Leo is the I am, which we're in right now. And this is the dragon's head or the north node all right in the direction we're heading it's always in retrograde and then also take a notice here this is the sunrise this is rising from the east this is high noon this is the sunset um, and they call it sunset because the sun is moving and here we go into the darkness this is the mid midday of the darkness midnight of darkness and here we come back up again so you can see and also the signs the astrological signs move counterclockwise counter cyclical to a clock so you get that in there too so let's get into mr bonacci who does an excellent uh, inter uh description of why the eclipse works in the ancient dovetails perfectly with the ancients and also uh the black rahu the eclipser of the sun which we're going to see in a couple days here on the west coast the eclipse is not caused by the moon coming in front of the sun as astronomers believe rather the moon is described as being farther further away than the sun and what happens at the time of the solar eclipse is the moon goes behind the sun and a dark planet called Rahu comes between the sun and the earth. You won't hear it from the Copernican academic deceivers. Why? Because if they told you the truth about eclipses and explained how they work, you would immediately see through the falsehood of the globe model and you would see that the earth is stationary and flat. Simple. That would void the global agenda in a heartbeat and a lot of corporations that have everything to lose as they had a vested interest in the globe. This upcoming eclipse will be viewed in the USA and will cast a 70 mile wide shadow traveling from west to east, contrary to the usual flow of, of celestial traffic. Oops, big oops. Uh, Houston, we have a problem. So this is the prayer of the globalists. Oh, help us, Santa God, to save our Santa ball. Please, Santa God, help us explain this anomaly to the programmed upside-down spinners so we can continue to deceive them. There it is, quote from the false prophets slash deceivers of the cult of Santa ball. Globalists. Here's the real explanation for the eclipse. You will easily be able to explain all eclipses once you understand how they work. Yeah. Los, An Los Angeles. Right, so what we've got here <clears throat> is that the sun and moon are conjunct. 28 degrees. And you see Rahu, the north node, is at 24 degrees. Pay attention to this. Every time there is an eclipse, 
Rahu is right there next door. All right, so we're going to work out what Rahu is because Rahu is what's causing the eclipse, not the moon. Because if it was the moon, we would have an eclipse or a partial eclipse every 29 and a half days. This is why you can never see the moon when it's conjunct the sun. And we're going to understand why that is. So let's go back to my reading and we'll come back to this for reference. Um, here you will see the sun and moon conjunct on the 28th degree of Leo. This is clearly showing the sun and moon together, conjunct. Here is where mainstream science concludes that the moon is passing in front of the sun since she is closer to us than the sun, according to the Copernican theory. Therefore, she will eclipse the sun. This is not at all what is happening and they know it. Any other day, this would be a simple, everyday, normal, straightforward new moon. Why is it that you can never see the moon at, this, at the time of the new moon at all for the better part of two days? The moon is not seen because it is, quote unquote, under the beams of the sun. Now, let's click on that one. What does it mean to be under the beams of the sun? Well, astrology has the answers, doesn't it? Let's have a look here. Astrological dictionary, under the beams. <clears throat> a planet is said to be under the beams when it comes within a certain range of a conjunction with the sun. When a planet is under the beams, its light is completely overwhelmed and obscured as a result of its close pro proximity to the sun. The exact range in which a planet becomes visible or invisible is based on its proximity to the sun varies based on the planet involved, as well as other factors such as atmospheric conditions. However, astrologers during the Hellenistic tradition use the standardized range of 15 degrees on either side of the sun for a planet to be considered to be under the beams, or uh, I use the expression under the rays. Okay. Therefore, in most ancient Greek and Latin texts from the Hellenistic and Roman period, when a planet is said to be under the beams, it means that it is within 15 degrees of a conjunction with the sun. And we go to just one more thing, guys. No, no, we want this one. Here is another term you will hear in astrology, combust. So under the rays and combust, um, Combust is also interesting. We need, to, we, we need to understand this. A planet is combust when it is in conjunction with the sun and therefore hidden from sight by the light of the sun. Traditionally, this is a serious debility and implies that the planet is weakened or restricted in power. However, if a planet is within 17 minutes of arc of the sun, it is, it is termed Kazemi in the heart of the sun. That, I mean, that's a, that's a perfect conjunction. That means they're exactly on the same, virtually the same degree. But they have to be within 17 minutes of arc, okay, to be Kazimi, which is very, very, very special. And, and people born under that conjunction are very, very blessed and powerful people. Uh, so it says, and he's considered strengthened by the union. In his introduction, William Lilly stated that the Combustion is more debilitating because it's within eight and a half degrees. And, and, and what that means is it's actually, um, it's actually 
behind the sun, guys. The eight degrees combust, that's different. That means they are directly behind the sun because eight and eight um, uh, degrees gives you 16, which is half of the sun, which is definitely well and truly behind the sun. And what we're going to see is that the moon is higher than the sun and she passes behind the sun during the new moon, okay? And this was known to the ancients. This is not at all what is happening and they know it. Any other day, this would be a simple everyday, normal, straightforward new moon. Why is it that you can never see the moon at the time of the new moon at all for the better part of two days? The moon is not seen because it is under the beams of the sun. If the moon is closer to us than the sun, it should always be visible. It should be visible all month long. <clears throat> it is invisible at the time of the new moon because the moon becomes invisible due to its pro close proximity to the sun. So if people think this is hocus pocus, all they've got to do is go out at midday on the new moon, on the day of the new moon, and look up at the sun and look for the moon. Where is it? You never see the sun and moon together at the same size. There they are sitting there together. And even though the moon's um, ecliptic plane is five degrees skew width of the sun's ecliptic plane, the moon should always be at the new moon in front of the sun and fully visible. And every month, every 29 and a half days, there should be a partial eclipse of the sun because that five degrees of differential of ecliptic planes between the sun and the moon will cause the moon and the sun to be so conjunct that they will overlap each other always every single day of history, every single month. And yet it doesn't. You never, ever see the moon. It goes totally invisible. Now, if it was a rock, floating around in space at 220,000 miles away, whereas the, the sun is 93 million miles away, where is the moon at the new moon? Where is it, globetards? Where is the moon at the new moon? Okay, continuing. So what is eclipsing the sun? Big question, hey? Because it's not the moon. You will notice on the astrological chart you have in front of you that the North Node is on the 24th degree of Leo, just four degrees away from the sun and moon, as it always is at every eclipse in the history of the universe. So what he's referring to here is, you see the 28 degrees of the sun. This is the moon symbol, 28 degrees. And then you have the dragon's head uh, North Node at 23 degrees. This is what he's talking about here. This is the cause of the eclipse. The Hindus call this Rahu, the head of the dragon. It is also known as the black sun. Okay, so we have, we've already learned that this wheel turns clockwise, degree of Aquarius, that's called Ketu, the south node. So what is a node? First of all, let's address this. Okay, here is a, a Vedic astrology um, depiction of it. The best one I could find, it's very simple and it's, um, based on the earth being a ball in the middle here. Now let's just ignore that. So these are the nodes, these two points. Okay, here, one, this one is called Rahu, here it is, ascending node. 
because it ascends. You have to go, the moon has to go up five degrees here, higher than the sun's, this is the sun's ecliptic here, the main ecliptic, this one, and this one is the moon's, okay? And they intersect at, at these fulcrums, they're called nodes. This one's K2, the descending node, the south node. South because the moon goes south, okay? She's below the sun here. But at the north node here, she goes behind the sun. So this is the path of the sun here, okay? Now, nodal axis, pay attention, rotating counterclockwise. So this axis here of the nodes is constantly going in this direction, backwards, retrogressing all the time. It takes 18 and a half years for Rahu to go from this point here in Leo, Rahu will be retrogressing for 18 years to get back to this point here. Okay, so when you watch the ecliptic on the 21st, you will notice that the shadow on the sun that blocks the sun completely is going backwards. It's retrogressing. And this is what many, many, many cosmologists of history, including um, Gabrielle Henriette in Heaven, Heaven and Earth, the true cosmology in her book of in the late 1800s. Oh, no, sorry, the um, mid 1900s, where she wrote, how can the moon retrogress when she never retrogresses just to perform the solar eclipse? She's going in the same direction as the sun. She can never, ever go backwards, doing a backwards shadow on the earth. It's impossible. And even the flat earthers out there that are trying to explain it, they're explaining it as if it was the moon causing the shadow. The moon causes no shadow of the sun. The sun causes the moon to become invisible and you have your own proof. Go out um, at midday or any time of the day when it's the new moon and you'll see the moon, the moon is nowhere to be seen and yet she's there with the sun. Astronomy tells you that. Astrology tells you that. Common sense tells you that. Common knowledge tells you that and yet you cannot see the moon. Why? Because she is a sonoluminescent, self-illuminating body. And she passes behind the sun. Let's have a look at this site. I will link these sites, guys. Uh, here is a beautiful uh, site. Solar eclipses are not caused by the moon. NASA. Anyway, here, just read here. It says, according to Vedic astronomy, the most ancient and accurate system of astronomy on the planet, solar eclipses are not caused by the moon coming in front of the sun. Okay. That's gone. This one here. Um, okay, let's just, these are all globe, these are mostly globe heliocentric um, models that are explaining things correctly with a incorrect model, as I used to do with my astrotheological presentations, explaining astrotheology correctly, but using a wrong model, which was heliocentrism. I should have listened to the astrologers who had it right from the start. Everything is geocentric. So I made a big mistake. I was poncing around as a Santa Baller, pontificating 
uh, you know, with the wrong model. And now I've corrected that. So everything's 100% correct with astrotheology as it stands. So you will notice the little letter R just near the North Node. This means the North Node is in retrograde mode. In other words, it is retrogressing. Hence, it goes backwards to block the sun due to its retrograde motion. Duh, the moon's not going backwards. It cannot be the moon, period. The moon never does, never goes retrograde and so cannot be making the backwards shadow from west to east. Only Rahu can do this since he is right there and retrogressing. Oh, that's a nice coincidence, isn't it? A coincidence which the liars do not want you to notice slash discover slash understand. The Jesuits who control all astronomical mainstream knowledge know very well that the black sun is broken up into seven pieces slash disks and they are scattered around the north node. They also know that when one of these seven disks passes in front of the sun, it eclipses the sun, while the moon passes behind the sun at the time of the new moon. The solar eclipse can only happen when the new moon uh, occurs conjunct the north node. It cannot happen anywhere else along the ecliptic. Pay attention. All solar eclipses happen when the sun is near Rahu, period. That's it. Whereas the lunar eclipse will happen when the full moon, full moon, occurs near the south node as in the case of the partial eclipse of the moon on august on the 8th of august just three or four days ago which you can easily see if you punch in the date 8th of august 4 p.m brisbane australia there you will see clearly that the sun and moon are directly opposite each other sun in 15 degrees leo and moon in 15 degrees Aquarius, directly 180 degrees opposed to each other. But notice the south node right there, nine degrees away at the 24th degree of Aquarius. This is why it was a partial eclipse, because nine degrees is too far away for the south node to completely cover the full moon. Here you can read about Rahu and the true cause of the solar eclipse. So let's do that now. The time of day considered to be under the influence of Rahu is Rahu Kala and is considered inauspicious. In Vedic astronomy, Rahu is considered to be a rogue planet. The other name of Rahu is Bayanaka. Now, the reason why the ancients were afraid of solar eclipses is because anything that comes in front of the sun sucks up the energy of the sun and hence mankind is deprived of that beautiful um, electromagnetic solar luminescence for that short period. Hence, the effect is palpable. Okay? It is patent. It is observable only by those who have ears to hear and eyes to see that. Now, let's just continue on. Uh, Rahu is mentioned explicitly in a pair of scriptures from the Samayuta Nikaya of the Pali Canon. Etc. Etc. Let's just uh, go forward. Um, it says the verses recited by the two celestial deities. Sorry, no, I wanted to read here. The Buddha responds by enjoining Rahu to release them, which Rahu does rather than have his head split into seven pieces. So, what happens is this Rahu is actually, um, you know, a body of discs, and 
um, mostly one of those discs um, is causing the retrogressing shadow passing in front of the sun. So there you have it. Um, and there's the article, ooh, guys. You can, intelligent people uh, paying attention will probably have wondered about this um, astrological wisdom about planets being invisible uh, due to the beams of the sun. And they'll point to the NASA images of the Venus transit and the Mercury transit, and they'll say, oh, yeah, but I can see that CGI dot passing in front of the sun. Ha, ha, ha. So where's astrology now saying that Venus can never, ever be seen passing in front of the sun? She just can't be. What you are seeing is the node of Venus. These are the nodes, people, and the node of Venus is in Gemini. Hence, all Venus transits occur in June, around June the 5th, between June the 5th uh, in Gemini and June the, I think, the 15th or the 18th. Okay, so let's have a look in Wikipedia. Venus transit. Astronomy's ability to accurately predict lunar and solar eclipses is a result and proof positive of the heliocentric theory of the universe. The fact of the matter, however, is that eclipses have been accurately predicted by cultures worldwide for thousands of years before the heliocentric ball earth was even a glimmer in Copernicus's imagination. Ptolemy, in the first century AD, accurately predicted eclipses for 600 years on the basis of a flat, stationary earth with equal precision as anyone living today. All the way back in 600 BC, Thales accurately predicted an eclipse which ended the war between the Medes and the Lydians. Eclipses happen regularly with precision in 18-year cycles, so regardless of geocentric or heliocentric, flat or globe earth cosmologies, eclipses can be accurately calculated independent of such factors. Samuel Robotham said, Those who are unacquainted with the methods of calculating eclipses and other phenomena are prone to look upon the correctness of such calculations as powerful arguments in favor of the doctrine of the Earth's rotundity and the Newtonian philosophy generally. One of the most pitiful manifestations of ignorance of the true nature of theoretical astronomy is the ardent inquiry so often made how is it possible for that system to be false, which enables its professors to calculate to a second of time both solar and lunar eclipses for hundreds of years to come? The supposition that such calculations are an essential part of the Newtonian or any other theory is entirely gratuitous and exceedingly fallacious and misleading. Whatever theory is adopted, or if all theories are discarded, the same calculations can be made. Gerard Hickson said, the Chaldeans used to predict the eclipses 3,000 years ago with a degree of accuracy that is only surpassed by seconds in these days because we have wonderful clocks which they had not. Yet they had an entirely different theory of the universe than we have. The fact is that eclipses occur with a certain exact regularity, just as Christmas and birthdays do, every so many years, days, and minutes, so that anyone who has the records of the eclipses of thousands of years can predict them as well as the best astronomers without any knowledge of their cause. Samuel Robotham said, The simplest method of ascertaining any future eclipse is to take the tables which have been formed during hundreds of years of careful observation, or each observer may form his own tables by collecting a number of old almanacs, one for each of the last 40 years, 
separate the times of the eclipses in each year and arrange them in a tabular form. On looking over the various items, he will soon discover parallel cases, or cycles of eclipses, that is, taking the eclipses in the first year of his table and examining those of each succeeding year, he will notice peculiarities in each year's phenomena, but on arriving to the items of the 19th and 20th years, he will perceive that some of the eclipses in the earlier part of the table will have been now repeated, that is to say, the times and characters will be alike. Tables of the places of the sun and moon, of eclipses, and of kindred phenomena have existed for thousands of years, and were formed independently of each other by the Chaldean, Babylonian, Egyptian, Hindu, Chinese, and other ancient astronomers. Modern science has had nothing to do with these. Another assumption and supposed proof of Earth's shape, heliocentrists claim that lunar eclipses are caused by the shadow of the ball Earth occulting the moon. The idea is that the sun, earth, and moon's spheres perfectly align like three billiard balls in a row, so that the sun's light casts the earth's shadow onto the moon. Unfortunately for heliocentrists, this explanation is rendered completely invalid due to the fact that lunar eclipses have happened and continue to happen regularly when both the sun and moon are still visible together above the horizon. For the sun's light to be casting Earth's shadow onto the moon, the three bodies must be aligned in a straight 180-degree syzygy. William Carpenter says, All right, let's finish this up with what Rahu, who Rahu is, and the black sun, and the legend of Rahu. And we already went through the quotes and whatnot. Um, but according to Globular Theory, a lunar eclipse occurs when the sun, Earth, and moon are in a direct line. But it's on record that since about the 15th century, over 50 eclipses have occurred while both the sun and the moon have been visible above the horizon. Okay. Um, what I wanted to quote here is, again, Greenwich Royal Observatory, that during the lunar eclipse of 7th, July 17th, 1648, 1668, the moon rose eclipsed while the sun was still above the horizon. Um, the Daily Telegraph recorded happening again in 1870, then again in July of the same year. It continues to happen to lunar eclipses to this day. Therefore, the eclipser of the moon cannot be the Earth's shadow, and some other explanation must be sought. So here's all the depictions of Rahu in ancient lore and tradition and legend. Why would they do this? <clears throat> in Indian astrology, Rahu is the eternal enemy of the sun and the moon. He is the third celestial body that eclipses them. He catches them by surprise and only comes out when the moon is full. Rahu is always depicted as a dark circle or eating a circle. Um, the other name of Rahu, as uh, Banachi went into, is Bahanka. Rahu and Ketu denote the points of intersection of the paths of the sun and the moon. And here's pictures of Rahu in ancient traditions. Many, many traditions have Rahu. So according to legend, during the Samudra Manthan, the Asura Rahu drank some of the Amrita, divine nectar. The sun and moon realized it had altered Mohini, the female avatar of Vishnu. Mohini cut off the Asura's head before the nectar could pass his throat. The head, however, remained immortal due to the effect of Amrita and became Rahu. It is believed that this immortal head from time to time swallows the sun, causing eclipses. Then the sun passes through the opening at the neck, ending the eclipse. The body also turned into Ketu due to a boon. This is also the southern dragon's head. And in turn swallows the moon on a timely basis to cause a lunar eclipse. 
Various names are assigned to Rahu in Vedic texts, including the chief, the advisor of the demons, the minister of the demons, ever angry, the tormentor, bitter enemy of the luminaries, lord of illusions, one who frightens the sun, and one who makes the moon lusterless. Rahu appears in Buddhist and Thai culture as well. It is called the Pra-Rahu in Thailand and mentioned explicitly in a pair of scriptures from the Samudo Nikaya of the Pali Canon. In the Kandima Sutta and the Sutsuriya Sutta, Rahu attacks Chandra, the moon deity, and Sura, the sun deity, before com being compelled to release them by the recitation of a brief stanza conveying their reverence to the Buddha. The Buddha represents, responds by enjoining Rahu to release them, enjoining Rahu to release them, which Rahu does rather than have his head split into seven pieces. Remember, Banachi referred to the seven pieces of the ecliptor of, of the uh, the Ra of the um, eclipse. Um, the verses re re recited by the two celestial deities and the Buddha have since been incorporated into Buddhist liturgy, liturgy as protective verses recited by monks as prayers of protection. Here you see more pictures of Rahu. Everywhere in ancient legends, Rahu. He was once a proud Asura, a demigod of immersed power and hunger, seeking immortality, for demigods are but another realm in the wheel of samsara. Rahu drank the divine nectar known as Amrita before the drought could pass his throat. However, all-powerful Vishnu decapitated him for his transgression. The power of the nectar made his disembodied head immortal, and this cleaved and fallen god continually seeks his revenge with the two planetary deities who ratted him out to the big Vish, the sun and the moon. As such, ravenous Rahu regularly ascends into the sky and attempts to swallow the sun or the moon. But since he's disembodied, his meals fall his meals fall back out again, an escape route, if you will. In Vietnam, people believed that a giant frog was devouring the sun, while Viking cultures blamed wolves for eating the sun and causing a solar eclipse. In ancient China, a celestial dragon was thought to lunch on the sun, causing a solar eclipse. In fact, the Chinese word of an eclipse, chi or shi, means to eat. According to ancient Hindu mythology, the deity Rahu is beheaded by the gods for capturing and drinking ambrosia. Rahu's head flies off into the sky and swallows the sun, causing an eclipse. The Pomo, an indigenous group of people who live in the northwestern United States, tell a story of a bear who started a fight with the sun and took a bite of it. The Pomo name for solar eclipse is sun, but got bit by a bear. After taking a bite of the sun and resolving the conflict, the bear, as the story goes, went on to meet the moon and take a bite out of the moon as well, causing a lunar eclipse. This story may have been their way of explaining why a solar eclipse happens about a fortnight before or after a lunar eclipse. According to Inuit folklore, the sun goddess Melina walked away after a fight with the moon god Anangan. A solar eclipse happened when Anangan managed to catch up with his sister, the Batamalaiba, who live in Benin and Togo, who used a solar eclipse as a teaching moment. According to their legends, legends an eclipse of the sun meant the sun and the moon were fighting and the only way to stop them from hurting each other was for people on earth to resolve all conflicts with each other. Epep was the ancient Egyptian spirit of evil darkness and destruction who threatened to destroy the sun god Ra as he traveled through the underworld or sky at night. Originally set in Mahan, the serpent-headed man were given the job of defending Ra and his solar barge. They would cut a hole in the belly of the snake to allow Ra to escape his clutches. If they failed, the world would be plunged into darkness.
And here you see the many pictures. And here's the swastikas. This is ancient. This is the this is the uh, the uh, Big Dipper up above. This is how they used to tell seasons when we used to look in the heavens. We used to see the stars. We used to sleep out at night. The whole mythology of astro theology uh, that Santos Bonacci brings out so well. These are all ancients, and they brought it into Hitler. They reversed the direction, made it counter cyclical, counterclockwise, and made it into a negative energy. But it's very positive. See how they turn positive into negative, folks? And they just lie. And here's what I found really interesting about Mr. DeBay's site on this, just looking this up and following it. Um, the 32-year-old wonder kid who uh, self-proclaimed uh, leader of the new modern flat earth movement and, uh, you know, Mr. Go-It-Alone. Look what he includes at the end of his piece here. What is that? That's the Jesuit symbol, folks. He's a Jesuit apologist, a Jesuit agitator. All right, that's it all I got for A Plain Truth today. Thanks for listening. I hope this helped explain the eclipse and uh, some of the ridiculous comments I'm getting from people when I posted about the eclipse not being seen. They, they, we have no idea. We've been lied to for so long. So hopefully this helps explain it. Plain Truth out. Catch you on the next one. Peace.